As I said, our gospel passage this morning is taken from gospel, the Gospel of John, chapter 20. But before we read that particular passage, that first resurrection experience on the first day of the week, I want us to backtrack a little bit and go all the way back to chapter 1 of John and be reminded of the prologue that we find where Jesus is proclaimed as the Word made flesh, that the light that will never be overcome by the darkness and the Word made flesh who comes to live among us. As he enters into that early part of his ministry, he begins to call upon his early disciples. And as he reaches out and calls on them, we find in verse 35 and following in chapter 1, this message. The next day, John, that is John the Baptist again, was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and follow him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. I want us to hear this opening um, text as Jesus is calling his disciples in chapter 1 because this will help inform our reading of chapter 20 as we see this change in how Jesus calls, the resurrected Jesus calls his disciples. Here now reading from chapter 20, verse 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw, and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, 
are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending, ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is a, a powerful episode, a powerful appearance of Jesus Christ following the resurrection. This is the first day of the week. It's often been called by scholars the eighth day of creation as the Easter has turned everything over into new, into something unfamiliar, something unexpected, something unanticipated, a new creation. That's why many baptismal fonts have eight sides. Many churches have eight sides to replicate the understanding of an eighth day of creation. As Kristen noted in our morning introduction video that there are eight eggs scattered around our church this morning, signifying, symbolizing that there are eight days of creation with, res with the resurrection. These eight eggs are empty, symbolizing the empty tomb. As we look for these eggs, as you look for these eggs, as John looked for them earlier this morning, understand that we have lost something. And in finding the eggs, we have found it. We have lost an understanding, lost something important, someone important. And in finding it, we have great joy. And then finding it empty, we can be confused. But in finding understanding that this is the resurrection, we have joy. John is a wonderful and a powerful gospel. It's often considered a spiritual gospel. It focuses on Jesus Christ as the divine. He was never out of control in the gospel of John. He instigated much, if not all, that happened to him, even to the point of giving up his spirit on the cross. As John lays out this powerful story from the beginning of this prologue where we have the Word made flesh, the light that will never be overcome by darkness, to the calling of those disciples, to the six signs that are offered throughout the gospel, the signs of God's glory revealed in Jesus Christ. 
we have this incredible parallel showing the difference, showing the growth, the understanding that's changed by the resurrection. When Jesus encounters John and his disciples, John calls out, John the Baptist calls out, this is the Lamb of God. And two of his disciples follow Jesus, curious about the Lamb of God. What did this John mean? What did this teacher mean about this teacher, this new rabbi, this man we don't know? And so they follow Andrew being one of these disciples of John. Jesus, feeling their presence, following him, turns and asks them, what are you looking for? And they answer, Rabbi, where are you staying? And Jesus calls back, come and see. This is a call of a disciple as Jesus was in his earthly ministry. Come and see. Come and see the glory of God. Come and see the signs of God. Come and see the acts of the presence of God that you will find following me. Come and see. In chapter 20, we find the disciples have followed. They have come. They have seen. And when Jesus enters his passion, they have scattered. They have hidden. And on this first day of the new creation, on this first Easter, one of those disciples, Mary Magdalene, shows up sees the stone rolled away and assumes that the tomb must be empty for some reason. Maybe it was grave robbers. Maybe they've moved it. Maybe the authorities have taken Jesus' body. Maybe the Romans have taken Jesus' body. Somebody has done something and Jesus' body is not there. And she runs back to tell someone, someone who would care, someone who might help, Peter and this young disciple whom Jesus loved, Maybe they can do something. Maybe they'll have an answer. Maybe they can help. These two run, and they finally make it to the tomb. The one young disciple looks in and sees it was exactly as Mary described it. But he didn't go in, and Peter arrives, the elder statesman of the disciples, and he, he arrives, he goes in and finds it just as Mary had described it. It was empty. And we're told he went home. We have no idea what he thought, what he believed. But the other disciple, who follows Peter into the tomb, seeing the linen wrapping, seeing the face cloth rolled up and set aside, believes. It's perplexing because we don't know what he believes. Does he believe in the resurrection or does he believe that Mary Magdalene told the truth, that the tomb is empty, that Jesus' body has been taken? They both leave, these two disciples, and they return home, a place that is familiar, a place that is safe, a place that is not at the tomb, not at this confusion, not at this place of darkness and grief. But Mary stays. Mary Magdalene, she, she lingers behind at the entrance of the tomb. And when she looks in, she sees two angels sitting where Jesus' body had laid, one at the head and one at the feet. The body was no longer there. Only these two messengers for God 
to offer a word of peace and they're questioning, woman, why are you weeping? My Lord's body has been taken and I don't know where it is and I just want to do the right thing. I just want to be able to grieve in peace and, and make my way through this and I want to be able to honor my Lord's body and prepare it, continue to prepare his body. Just tell me. Jesus appears to her and she turns and sees him. She assumes he's a gardener. She doesn't recognize this very familiar and loved being, this loved teacher, this loved rabbi, her Lord. Taking him for the gardener, she says, just tell me where you've laid him and I will go and I'll take his body back. I'll do what I have to do. And Jesus says to her, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Echoing the call of the disciples in chapter one, what are you looking for? He tells Mary, whom are you looking for? And he calls her by name. And everything begins to adjust. Everything begins to shift. Everything begins to change. She now recognizes her Lord. She recognizes this familiar man, this familiar face, this familiar voice as her shepherd, the good shepherd. She cries out, Rabbi, teacher, and then Jesus tells her, do not hold on to me. I have yet to ascend to my Father. And then he goes further. He says, but go and tell my brothers that I am ascending to my Father and their Father, my God and your God. And we're told she goes back to find the disciples, to gather them and tell them that I have seen the Lord. He is risen. He is alive. This world has changed. This world has completely and utterly changed. It's changed their faith. It's changed their worldview. Everything is beginning to change for the disciples, those who will follow Jesus Christ, who will not only come and see, but will go and tell. Not only those who see Jesus as a teacher, but see Jesus as a brother. Everything, the glory of God is being revealed in their midst. The presence of God is being revealed and changed in unexpected, unanticipated ways. And their faith and their worldviews are being changed. And that's what Easter does for us. It changes our understanding of faith, our understanding of a worldview, how we see the world and how we are called to live in it. Our faith that understands the resurrected Jesus alive and is present with us. It's a worldview that allows us to glimpse God's love and forgiveness in a world filled with uncertainty 
and change. A faith that declares that what was once hidden is, has been found. A worldview that sees a light that cannot be overcome by darkness. A faith that declares death doesn't have a final word. And a worldview that chooses love over hate, faith over fear, hope over despair, and participation over helplessness. This is a powerful, life-changing, world-transforming faith and worldview. It is Easter, and we are called to be Easter people. As we close this reflection on Easter, I invite us to participate in this following call and response. Today, following each petition, I will Cue your response with the phrase, Christ is risen, and your response is, of course, Christ is risen indeed. So let us respond. Out of the darkness of grief and despair comes a message of hope. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. We run to the tomb to see for ourselves, and it is true. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. We hear a voice call our name and we know our risen Lord is with us now and always. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Thanks be to God.